0: Best Book Bids podcast brings you one of the world's most influential thinkers on productivity with over 35 plus years experience as a management consultant and executive coach having earned him worldwide recognition. His best-selling book, The Groundbreaking, Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity has sold millions and been published in 30 languages. David Allen, thanks for being on the show.
1: Thanks for the invitation, Michael. Glad to be here. No
0: worries. Now, for an audience that, that don't know who you are, um, obviously getting things done in the book, take me back to your 20s and uh, tell me, who is David and what is he doing in his 20s? Well,
1: I, I thought I was going to be an academic, uh, and I was a, a, an intellectual history major and started in graduate school in Berkeley, UC Berkeley, California, in 68. Now, that was a heady time to be in Berkeley in 1968. Um, and then, uh, discovered that I wanted to find my own enlightenment instead of just studying people who had theirs. So I decided that, uh, academia was not where I was going to find it. So I dropped out and did all kinds of exploration, spiritual stuff, meditation stuff, uh, new age stuff, uh, and got a black belt in karate in the martial arts and, uh, you know, started to explore sort of the inner world. And I was very fascinated about, by that. And so I got very attracted to more to about not so aspirational or entrepreneurial but more about who i was and how i could do me sort of optimally in some way shape or form and i was very much a beginner you know in in that world then uh and got all kinds of had all kinds of crazy experiences uh so long story short uh i didn't have any particular uh job interests i just needed to pay the rent uh while i was doing my self-exploration and it turns out i had some friends that had their own businesses were starting up and small businesses or whatever and i became a really good number two guy for for them that's where a lot of my 35 jobs came from before i was 35 you know so i helped run a landscape company i helped manage a, a service station a car restoration business i sold vitamins i sold mopeds i you know i did all kinds of stuff but i'd walk in and see what they were doing and say gee is there some easier way we could do this because i'm mr lazy so I just looked around to see how to improve their systems. Now they call that process improvement. But then I'd improve it, and then I got bored. <laughs> I go leave and go find another job, uh, to, just to pay the rent. And so uh, then I discovered one day they actually pay people to do that, and they called them something consultant. Wow, couldn't spell it. Now I am one. You know, 1982, hung out my shingle, Allen Associates. So then I got very hungry, since I don't have any formal or traditional education in business or psychology or consulting. Uh, i I was an intellectual history major I said what what kind of models can I find you know that I could use if it wasn't obvious and I walked into somebody or they hired me on a project uh, if in case it wasn 't clear what to do, could I have something in my hip pocket to bring it out and and do that and then first of all, for myself, I discovered you know some techniques to help keep me clear because my life was getting more complex um and especially in the martial arts, I got a black belt in karate, and, and a lot of the high levels of training there is how do you keep your head clear? So you know, they're meditative kind of practices, and there there may be a spiritual aspect to it. But there certainly was a very practical aspect. If four people jump you in a dark alley, you don't want 2000 unprocessed emails sort of hanging in your psyche, right? So how do, how do you be clear so that you can, you know, be open and deal with four people at once or one at a time, but very quickly. So uh, I, I was very attracted to maybe you can even say addicted to clear space uh and again being as lazy as i was i didn't like to be distracted by stuff i like to be able to focus on stuff without having my attention drawn to something else and then i began to cobble together piece by piece parts of a methodology about how to keep your head clear while you had a very busy life and had a couple of mentors about that that taught me some key aspects that are still part of the methodology um, and I say wow it worked for me and then i turned around and started to use those techniques with my clients and worked for them too so when they started to apply any of the stuff that i was finding it created more clarity more focus more space to focus on meaningful stuff more control you know good stuff especially for their business and their life and so that that would that became just kind of a model that i was using in my consulting And then a a heavyweight guy and head of human resources in a big corporation saw what I was doing. He said, gee, David, we need that result in our whole company. Can you design some sort of training, you know, or seminar around your methodology so we could reach maybe a lot of people at once with at least the information about how to do that instead of one-on-one? So I said, "Hmm, sure. took a couple of months, designed a two-day personal productivity training for managers and executives using my material. And it hit a nerve, it was highly successful. So I found myself thrust into the corporate training world. 1983, 84, that was Lockheed. So, uh, and you could have fooled me if you'd have told me as a history major in Berkeley in 68, that I was going to be in the corporate training world. I'd said, what are you smoking? You know, come on. Yeah, are <laughs> you well, kidding?
0: <laughs> well, that's, that, that's an amazing story. And thank you for unpacking that. Uh, I want to sort of, so from 68 Berkeley in the seventies, doing your own thing. Being number two, there's nothing wrong with being a number two man, by the way. I think that's uh, super important to make sure the number ones sort of succeed, but you always need a good number two, like Batman and Robin. But what I'm super fascinated about, a lot of people don't understand, did you publish your book in 2001, but you've done 33 years of real-life work? How did the Let's fast forward a little bit in the 80s. When did the book come out, 2001, and, and what made you sort of put it all together?
1: I didn't, you know, Michael, I, I didn't know what I knew for 25 years, I didn't know that it was unique. I thought everybody had already figured this out, especially the more senior you got. I figured that, well, in order to get senior, they must've already figured this out, eh, wrong answer. Turns out that the more senior people were, the more fascinated and interested they were in what I'd come up with. Because the more senior and successful people were, the more they'd hit their limit, but they knew they could be more successful if they had more room, if they had more abilities, because they were already, to a large degree, they already knew the value of system. They already knew that. So the people most attracted to my work are the people who needed the least.
0: Correct. It's actually you know, it's they a, were yeah. It's it's a funny thing you said. Um, Nightingale Conant Corporation. I heard once that the president said that the people that buy our products are the people that don't need our products, and the people that do need the products would never buy the products. So it's interesting. Exactly. It's interesting you say that.
1: Yeah, no, that works that way. And so, and so that's what. And and my consulting turned more into coaching one-on-one senior people in those organizations that either took my seminar or had people to take my seminar or read my book and They went, oh, my God. Well, actually, my book wasn't out by then. So uh, at at some point, I got some good advice. People said, look, David, um, you better write the book.
0: How how old were you when um, when the book was published? Uh, How old were you? Do you remember?
1: Mm, let's see. I was born in forty five, two thousand and one, so do the math. Wow. What, 56? No, fifty six? Congratulations. Fifty it's I was 50, it's, 50 something. It's yeah.
0: very refreshing to know that um you know, and then the books take, you know, got its own legs sold millions of copies worldwide bestseller and, you know, getting things done is now turned into the methodology and really you were doing this sort of in your thirties and forties, uh, as a no brainer. And then you thought, Hey, 56 or might as well get it to paper and, and consume it to the masses. Um, I wanted to, well, sort of, yeah, I assume if,
1: if I got, I, I figured uh, if it took me that long to figure out that what I'd figured out was unique. Nobody else had done it and it was bulletproof. Yeah. And the good advice goes, well, you better write the manual. So I did took me four years. I started writing in 97. So it took four years for it to get on the shelf. Yep. And so that was a, a, certainly a labor of love. And I, I, it's a lot of stuff. Anybody reads Getting Things Done, they go, God, there's a lot in here. Yeah, it was 25 years of my career. I, I parked you know, and packed together in that. I, I didn't know that people could still get it by reading the book. I knew they could get it if I s- sat down with them one-on-one or even in a seminar. But I didn't know that you could make it virtual, so that was a big milestone for me, Michael. When I when the book came out, I had no idea. I just had to write it. Yeah, you know, uh, in case I got run over by a bus, you know, at least it was at least there was a manual. Yeah, well, feel feel free to get and, run
0: over by a bus now because I think it's out there and <laughs> I think it's going to be around for a hundred years, which we'll deep dive into. So, for my audience that don't know, getting things done, I'll just give it a. a, a I'll give a bit of an intro. So, basically, getting things done it requires defining first what done actually means, and doing, what it it looks like. So what done and doing looks like. But one of the ideas that jumped out at me, and I think this could have been the title for the book, and I love how you said in your 70s you went on a spiritual practice because your mind is for having ideas, not for holding ideas. Can you expand on that a little bit? I just love that quote. Um, It's so true.
1: Well, I just discovered that experientially 35 years ago. You know, But in the last 10 years, the cognitive scientists who've been doing research on attention have now proven <laughs> that your mind did not evolve to remember, remind, prioritize, or manage relationships between more than four things. It does that very well. Your mind is doing brilliant stuff using long-term history and pattern recognition. That's why you know that that's a computer in front of you and I'm a person and there are books or whatever, as opposed to vibrations of light and sound. So our brain really evolved. To do some very sophisticated stuff computers can't even come close to what your brain's doing right now however you go to the store for lemons come back with six things and no lemons you know what happened well you were trying to use your head as your office and your head is a crappy office right so now there's a you know if you don't believe me don't shoot the messenger here just go read all the cognitive science stuff you have more than four things running around in your mind that you need to remember remind prioritize or manage you know relationships with you're going to sub-optimize your cognitive ability. You won't be able to take a test as well. You won't be able to focus on cooking spaghetti as well. You won't be able to fire a person as well. You won't be, you know, come on. <laughs> you just, you know, you limit yourself, as well as a lot of other things. If you're not getting enough sleep, if you're not getting, you know, taking breaks and whatever, refreshing your mind, your mind needs to be refreshed. And, you know, my whole thing was clarity. I just love to be clear, whatever that's about. So getting things done, you know, unfortunately, as you know, Probably know like productivity has a, a bit of a baggage around it as a word. A lot of people think that means work harder, more. Oh my God, they're going to expect more of me. Yanny, yanny, yanny. I, I'm already up to here. I don't need to be more productive. You know, well, productivity simply means producing what you want to have. So if you go to a party to boogie and you don't boogie, there's not an unproductive party. You know, if you take a vacation to relax and you don't relax, that's an unproductive vacation. So it's really all about that. But you know, at the time when I wrote it, productivity, and it's, it will always be. Because productivity simply means produce something that you want to produce, and and you know appropriately allocate or reallocate your resources to make it happen, right? So th- that's universal. That's, uh, that's been true forever, you know, and taken lots of different forms over the last hundreds of years. But you know that's that, that that's universal stuff. Yes. So all I did was figure out how to how do I define what the work is, and that's what's really new. Is with knowledge work, you actually have to think to figure out what your work is, as opposed to having it obvious if you're in survival mode, or if all you do is crank widgets, a bunch of uncranked widgets tell you exactly what you need to do. But anytime you have to think, wait a minute, I have to make decisions about which thing I need to do right now, given the, all the options. And that's where a lot of the stress is coming from, is all the options. So a lot of the stress is coming from, you know, uh, the stress of opportunity.
0: Yeah, so for Pip, let's let's sort of break it down to the layman who sort of, working stop, got a million things to do. Their mind is constantly just bombarded. They don't know anything about time management or productivity. 2022 is 33 days away. So we're at the end of November now. And they're like, you know what? In 2022, I want to get clear. I want to get focused. What would be three basic tips that you could give the average layman to say, hey, implement this, do that. And you will, um, you will find balance, clarity and, you know, use your mind for having ideas instead of holding them as well. What are three things that you would give to the layman?
1: Well, I can tell the layman or somebody who's not aware of this, uh, how in three minutes you can feel a whole lot better and more in control and more focused. Step one, take a pen and paper and jot down the 10 things that are most on your mind, personal or professional. Should we adopt a kid should i hire a vice president oh my god i need to change this thing i just heard from a client they're really angry we need to fix that just jot down the 10 things that most have your attention step two go down each one and say okay if i was to try to get closure or resolution or clarity on that what's the very next action i would need to take to move the needle if i had nothing else to do but move that forward make progress on that thing where would I go and what would I do? As you said it to begin with, is like, what does doing look like and where does it happen? Is that an email to send? Is that a website to surf? Is that a conversation topic to have with a partner? What is it? What's the very next thing? Write those down. And then uh, have some sort of a list or some sort of an external brain that you park those reminders somewhere so that in the appropriate time and space, you see that reminder about that thing to do. I guarantee you. <laughs> You, you'll feel a whole lot better in three minutes.
0: Yeah, thanks for that. No, that, that's that, that's great. Um, I'm a massive journal nerd myself. I've been journaling for 13 years, and I I realised that journaling is a form of meditation. And when I say meditation, it's a form of emptying the mind onto an external source of memory, where I can access that memory at a later date. So I'm not carrying things around like.
1: And you're also you're also in a contemplative mode. And a reflective mode, correct, which is highly valuable, and that's step four in the in the five step GTD process is reflection.
0: Yeah, and I, I think a lot of these principles uh, are based on spirituality. In terms of, I'm sort of a practicing Buddhist. And when I say practicing Buddhist, I try to follow the you know the the Noble Eight Path. And one of the things I like to do is nap during the day. But I don't nap. I sort of meditate. And when I say meditate, I sort of just keep clear so i bring the frequency down to a point where it's now fresh and clear and then i can get on with the afternoon and i think again that's a form of emptying the mind so then you could work productively as well so well, i don't know about you ask you, any yeah. high
1: level ask any high level athlete what they do before they go out to perform same thing
0: what's that they get clear they they get quiet they
1: they get relaxed yep. they stretch they relax yeah so they can focus.
0: Another um, a couple little tidbits from your books, which is absolutely amazing. One of the things it says: if an action takes less than two minutes, you should do it in the moment and 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 define it and just get it done. So if an action takes two minutes, just just get it done and and don't put it off. Um, great little truism there. Though. I've had
1: a, lo- a number. I've had a number of executives tell me just that tip was worth you know anything they ever paid me. You know, <laughs> in terms of how much it unstuck all kinds of things. But in order to do that, you have to decide what the next action is. So the two minute rule is really great because it will help coach you into, okay, what's the very next thing I need to do? Oh, God, by the way, anybody listening to this, if you if you apply the two minute rule, just walk around where you live right now, how many things could you fix or handle that would take you less than two minutes, that light bulb that needs changing, you know, the batteries that need to be replaced, the, the oh, on, that thing that needs to be moved over there because it's in the wrong place. Even your home environment is going to feel a lot better if you just apply the two-minute rule.
0: And it's a good segue to your other quote, which says, you know, it's a waste of time and, and energy to keep thinking about something that you don't make or no progress on. So you keep thinking about something, but if you're not taking any progress on, it's actually a waste of uh, time and energy. So again, if you can take action and energy on something that's going to take less than two minutes, get it done. If it's going to take more, then put it on your list and schedule it for another day. Um, Yeah, great, great stuff there. I mean, the the book's fantastic. Um, I do want to dive into sort of the five steps of mastering the workflow as well. I know you've, you've, I'm not sure you can remember or not from the book, but I'll I'll go through a couple of them. Collect what has your attention, process what it means, put it where it belongs, review it frequently, and and simply do it. Um, Anything you want to add on sort of the five steps on mastering your workflow?
1: Well, I could talk about that for two years. What we'll just do it um, for two minutes? Each each one <laughs> I'll do it for two minutes. Yeah, capture what has your attention. That just means usually most of the time what has your attention not all the time, but most of the time what has your attention are things that you're not yet appropriately engaged with. There's decisions you need to make about it, something you need to organize about it, something you need to trust that you know, that you can see at the right time. So In order to appropriately engage, there are really five steps, actually four preliminary steps, and then you engage in in step five. And the step one is to identify the stuff that's got your attention. What's on your mind? Why? Well, just what's on your mind to begin with. And then, you know, basic tools, pen and paper, can't beat them. I keep them with me all the time. So once it has your attention, uh, then jot it down. What is that? And it looks then looks like what a lot of people's to do list sort of looks like. But that's only step one. Most people's to do list, if they have one at all, are incomplete lists of still unclear things. You know that you see things on a to do list like mom, mom, bank or VP or adopt question, you know, whatever. So fine. That's a capture function you you grab stuff that's got your attention, that something needs to be done, clarified, decided about, resolved, or whatever about this stuff. But then step two is the clarify step. Then I need to decide specifically what that means to me. Am I going to do something about that? Yes or no. If it's no, then it's either reference material or trash or, you know, stage it, incubate it for someday, maybe, and later on, be, let me be reminded about it. If, it. if there is some action that you want to take about adopting or hiring a vice president or the bank or your mom, then what specifically would you need to do about that and make that next action decision? And then if one action won't finish whatever this thing is, what's the project? So what's the outcome and what's the action of this stuff? And most people's to-do list, you will not see outcome nor action defined or written down. You'll see this captured thing, mom, bank, whatever. You won't see, oh, I need to talk to my partner about how we should present a proposal to the bank, or I need to call my sister to see what to do about mom's birthday. So, you know, a finalize bank project and celebrate mom's birthday would be outcomes that you would then need to clarify. I need to park those somewhere so that I see those things until they're done. So my, my brain gets to let that go in terms of remembering that I need to handle mom's birthday or get a bank equity loan or whatever. Uh, And what's the next step? Oh, call my sister. That's a call. I can't do it right now. needs to be on a calls list. Uh, Oh, uh, talk to my partner about X needs to be on an agenda action list with my partner, right? That's the action steps. But then organizing those the outcomes and the action is step three, I now need to park those things somewhere. So I'll see them at the right time and place. I don't need to see my projects, and my outcomes every day, but I need to keep be reminded, though, those probably weekly to say, how am I doing about Mom's birthday that's coming up? How am I doing about the bank, et cetera? And I need to be reminded, oh, call my sister when I have a phone in time, or I need to, you know, when I'm meeting with my partner, uh, here's the agenda of things I need to go over with him or her. Yeah, no. So that's the organized phase, and then that then leads you into I need to make sure I look at those lists, <laughs> you know, appropriately. So, that my mind gets to keep letting it go as opposed to taking it all back. I've got to remember, I've got to remind, I got to, da, 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 da. So, if you want to clear your office <laughs> so you can really focus, you really need to make sure that external brain is out there and that you engage with your external brain appropriately. Come on, anybody listening or watching this, and if I've got a calendar and that uses it, already doing that.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um... Love it. One thing I do love what you you say is every open loop, it sort of needs to be captured in the system and and get out of your head. So you talk about open loops and about closing those. uh, Anything you want to unpack on open loops?
1: Yeah, well, it's just anything that's incomplete. Anything you want to have different that's not that different yet, but you have attention on making it different or resolving it or whatever. That doesn't mean you have to finish everything. It means you need to park them renegotiate regularly with how how you're doing about it you just you need to appropriately engage not necessarily go work harder again back to our point that productivity doesn't mean work harder it means being clear about what your commitments are and then being able to renegotiate those regularly come on how many things are you not doing right now michael talking to me
0: a thousand and one
1: yeah me too all right. But you, so half empty, half full, it's a glass. Yep. You're really feeling good that talking to me is what you need to do right now, or you're feeling really crappy about talking to me as a distraction. And you really have a thousand other things you ought to be doing instead of that. <laughs> right? <laughs> so if you looked at the thousand other things and said, no, talking to David is job one for right now. Anyway, then, then you're clear in this activity. So, Again, you can only do one thing at a time. You just need to feel comfortable about it. So a lot of what getting things done is about is is getting to feel confident about your choices about what you do. But if you don't know what you're not doing, you can't feel comfortable about what you're not doing. Most people haven't a clue how many things they're not doing. (laughs) I know I spent thousands of hours with some of the brightest people on the planet one on one having them unload and identify all their commitments and internal spin that's going on out there. And it's a tone a whole lot more than most people realize.
0: Do you think uh, stress is correlated to time? I, I, I think I've got an analogy, like if you're on holidays and you know, the opposite of stress, you're on, you're on a two week vacation, you're one week in, and you're absolutely bored cause you've got zero to do. And the definition of stress is you've got one hour to do 20 things. Do you find a correlation between stress and time in your experience with high level sort of coaching and consulting?
1: Uh, The the stress comes from not keeping agreements with yourself. So if you say, I'm gonna take an hour and relax and that's all you're doing and that's what you're trying to do, you're cool. You're fine, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do, if you've identified a time frame or somebody else for you, you agreed with, you know, the book deadline, the, the, the proposal deadline, the project deadline, those things are important factors. That's going to make these things have your attention unless some part of you says, look, the system is on cruise control. It will happen at the right time. Then it's not on your mind. So timing may just produce uh, something that has a specific t- attention about it. Do you recommend you know, something things? You go, hey, yeah. it just it'll happen whenever it happens, and that's
0: cool. I don't mean to cut you off, but do you recommend that people expand their time frame? I mean, you're, you know, um, you're now, you know, a mature adult, and you've you've done decades and decades of work. Do you look back now and say, God, I wish I would just tell that person, just it's going to take you know twice as long. Just give a one year project another year. It might take two years. Do you do you recommend that advice to people in their twenties and thirties spinning the wheels um, that sort of relax a little no, bit.
1: My, yeah, my only advice is relax because yep. the thing that the solution is gonna, ha- gonna happen automatically, which is called get older. <laughs> You'll find out <laughs> yeah, no. things just take longer than they take. Yeah. Believe me, I'm, I'm, I'm in a new an apartment we bought here in Amsterdam and it's. we thought we were moving in last February, right? But we met a good designer who said, by the way, if this were me, Here's what I do. And now it's taken, it's not even finished yet, like almost a year. Yeah. You know, for sort of renovations. Like, they, things just take longer than they take. And you just have to, yeah. You know, I think what Ralph Waldo Emerson said patience is the hallmark of the mature man. Yeah. So, you know, again, patience, I don't know how you teach patience other than age
0: well, I think patience also one thing that did my head is that I came up with a quote of what are you going to do when you complete all your goals, and the question is what you going to do should be your lifestyle, so why not start living it now so that's like okay, you can hit every single milestone, get the money, do this, get the house, or whatever it is you know materialistic or internal wise nothing changes what's your? T- what is your tomorrow so um Just another way of looking at it. But anyway, we'll we'll get back with the the productivity stuff because we can go down the spiritual path. Talk to me the importance about the weekly review. I'm massive on the weekly review. I've been doing a weekly review for the last 13 years in my journal. i look back on Monday to Sunday just to recap what I did um, and sort of prepare for the next Monday. What's your take on the weekly review for high-performance people who have got a lot on their plate?
1: Well, the core element of the weekly review is your project list the list of all the projects that you have and a project in my definition, very broad definition, anything that's going to take more than one action step to complete, you can finish within a year. So that's everything for small stuff, like, you know, get new glasses because your eyes have, ch- have changed to, to, uh, you know, buy the company to, you know, get my new vice president onto cruise control or decide whether we're going to divorce or adopt, you know? So those are, <laughs> those are projects. Yep. You know, again, that's a very broad category. And, and based upon that, most people have between 30 and 100 of those. And that list is the most lacking list for most professionals that I've worked with and seen. And it's the most important that they review on a consistent basis, not day by day, but at least every seven days. So we just discovered that the weekly review now reviewing your calendar for the day and What are the errands I need to run and things I need to talk about? Sure. You need to review the actions and sometimes a lot of stuff many times a day. Uh, but the, the once a week, it just lifts up a horizon. It says, let me look at this next level of commitments that I've got. And that's the one that's really missing. A lot of people can do the big strategy, vision, goal stuff, or the, the little nitty gritty to do today kind of stuff in between very lacking. Uh, and I've, we've just discovered over all the years that that is just magic to be able to do that. It's not a static process.
0: Yeah.
1: It really is a, quite a creative process to sit down and look at that. Oh, that reminds me. Ah, you know, then we ought to. That's kind of the kind of stuff that happens when you step back and look at your work at a little higher level of game. It's like forest management instead of tree hugging you know uh, you know if they, we these days fires in forests come on you guys got them yeah you know, uh, us has got them like crazy uh, bad. they're all over the place right so uh, you know you you don't want to see that fire when it's in your tree you want to see that fire from a fire tower where you see it coming
0: correct right? yeah, they call it 65 levels up in the in the boardroom seeing the whole company um, through there now I want to get really specific with you right so This morning, I had all these goals, I've got all these things on my board, I took them all down, I've got one of those brown pieces of paper, one of those sheets, Um, I'll I'll show you just here, one of these sheets, okay, I put put it up on the wall, and uh, I wrote two goals down there for next year, 2022, one is a a money goal, so a big number, and one is a, a weight goal, a health goal. Starting with the money goal, I've got one money goal next year, what would you do if you were consulting or coaching me as an individual and say, okay, how do I break that down? What is the best way to sort of get it done, but the best way to look at it instead of looking at that big number? Do you have any suggestions for people that are trying to hit a financial goal in 2022?
1: Well, you could approach it from two different directions. It's hard to do them simultaneously. You need to do one and then the other or the other and then the one. (laughs) You could break it down in more of a planning idea, so a brainstorm. What are all the things... Michael, that you might, that might be relevant to making that happen so that you could just mind map that you could do all kinds of things to, you know, that would be what is potentially relevant information or data uh, or circumstance that might affect that. And then you could take that and say, okay, now does that, is there, is there an organization or a plan that that kind of would define? There's some of those things that need to happen first or some of the things that happen otherwise or whatever. You're just going to scan all of that and say, OK, is any of that actionable right now? In other words, what are the smaller projects that you need to define out of, you know, whatever that brainstorming is? Yeah. You know, oh, I need to, you know, get a, a, a home equity loan or I need to uh, hire a, a head of marketing or I need to you know, upgrade my social media presence yep. or I need to whatever. And so a lot of that, those that then becomes a the definition of projects or potential sub objectives to get you to the bigger one. And then, of course, you can guess <laughs> the last thing is what are your next actions on any of those moving parts? Some of those are not moving parts. Some of those parts have to be have to have something else happen before that. So there is some level of critical path you probably need to take. Say, well, I need to this do this first, but also a lot of people miss that a number of things simultaneously you could be moving on that would affect that. And eat any one of those potentially moving parts right now needs a next action on it. Okay. And then you need to define those next actions, park those in the place that you trust. And then that number is off your mind. Yeah, so you know, just reverse because yeah, it's re- on cruise yeah, control. Yeah, got it. The, the, the other way, the other way to approach it is just say, well, gee, Michael, right now, if you had this, if you had to start moving on that, what's your next action? Yeah. You got nothing else to do, but move toward that number. Where would you go and what would you do right now? In other words, we start at the ground level yeah. and then build up from there. Because some people are much more comfortable doing that than reverse that sort of bigger yeah. planning game. So
0: literally, yeah, yeah, there's two parts to do it. It's basically dismantle the engine. So, you know, you've got to reverse engineer, hey, you're going to get there with the action steps, or you just buy all the parts and put the, put the parts together. That makes complete sense. And I guess you can use that for, for health wise as well. Let's say I want to lose 10 kilos in 12 months what are the action steps I need to take? And then after those action steps are done, what do you have to do next and things like that too. Um, Yeah, fantastic. I'd love to keep picking your brain. I know you're sort of short for time, so we'll sort of uh, wrap this up. But I've got a couple last questions before you sort of take off. Um, I I know we've gone over this before and it's a good touching point, but the six level model for reviewing your own work. And I'll start with number one, which is Horizon 5, which is starting from Purpose and principles, but I'll let you lead on to talk about sort of visions, goals, areas, and current projects as well. So going back the six but, level model for reviewing your own work. Talk to me about that.
1: I, I tried to think I tried to figure out when I got into the consulting game, you know, what, 30, 40, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, I said, how do you decide priorities? Because everybody asks, Well, how do I set priorities? Even if made these lists, how do I get set priorities? And I tried to get it as simple as I could in terms of what really happens in terms of how people set their priorities. And I couldn't get it any simpler than six levels of commitments that people have. They're either conscious about, or at least they're there subliminally. You know, the top one being what you mentioned was like why I'm on the planet. What's my purpose as a human being and what really, really matters to me in terms of my values. So that's, you know, horizon five. Horizon four would be, well, and, and by the way, knowing what your purpose is and your core values, is that gonna help you decide which email to write first? Mm, a little bit, <laughs> but you probably need to b- make it more operational. And so that as we come down the levels down does not mean less than it just means a different horizon operationally. So you come down from that and say, okay, what would be your your vision of wild success of your purpose being fulfilled? Right. That would be the horizon four vision. Wow. I'm going to be uh, a great rock star, or I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to discover a cure for X, Y, and Z, or I'm what I, Whatever that is, so you could have a very similar person to the sitting next to you, but you'd have a very different picture of what you're going to look like doing that successfully than they will. So this is where you start to make it okay. What would it look, sound, and feel like in the world if I were fulfilling my purpose? What's that vision five years from now? You know, life was like you'd really like it. You know, what would you be doing? And by the way, this can also work enterprise wise and for an organization. What's the purpose of the organization? What are its core values? Where does it want to be five years from now, et cetera? So you can do this personally or organizationally as well. Now, knowing the vision, is that going to help you decide the email to send a little bit more, but then you're probably going to need to get even more operational and say, okay, what do, what needs to happen in order to make the vision happen? And that comes back to our kind of our previous conversation, go, okay, what are the things that need to be accomplished within the next, you know, three to 12 to 24 months to make that vision happen? And that would be the typical organizational kind of goals and objectives or strategy that you usually see from those kind of planning sessions, right? The, the the yearly plan or objectives for those kind of things. That's horizon three. But then you say, okay, how do I make sure all that stuff happens? Well, then you have a lot of areas that you need to maintain so that that stuff works. And horizon two would be the areas of focus that you need to focus on or have attention on or that need to be up to a certain level of standard. So for you personally, that would be, how's your cash? How's your health? How your relationships? How's your fun factor? How's your spiritual life? How's your, you know, how, how's your technology? How's whatever? So that's not stuff to finish. That's just stuff to say. Are all those okay? And because sometimes there are many things you need to do to get your make your health okay, or to make your energy right, or to make your relationships good, like so that things work in that way. Organizationally, this would be your org chart. You know, uh, we need to man- manage sales, we need to manage operations, we need to manage IT, we need to manage admin, we need to manage PR, We, you know, you don't finish those. Those are just areas that somebody needs to manage and watch to make sure that those are okay, so that you can get to your goals. That's a rise two areas of focus and responsibility or accountability. And then you say, okay, <clears throat> what do we need to do about any of any of those things that it's going to take more than one step to finish, and that's the Horizon One, which would be all the projects that you have mentioned. We've talked about that before. Yeah. What are all the things you need to do about that about your health? What are all the things you need to do about that strategic plan? What are all the things that need to get handled, and who's handling those? That's your project, Horizon One. You still don't have anything to do to get to the ground level, which are all the actions you need to take about all the moving parts about what I just said. And don't shoot the messenger, guys. I'm just I just identified all the different levels of commitments that need to go into and be curated to trust what you figure your priorities really are.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's brilliant. And just to recap, so obviously the top horizon five, we're talking about purpose and principles, and then the lower you go down, you go vision. After your vision, you go down to goals. And then areas of focus and accountabilities and then current projects. And then obviously on the ground level, it's working with your feet and your hands and your mind and working on your current actions as well, which is your accumulated list of the actions that uh, you need to take. So, David, thank you for uh, recapping that. And to my audience, if you want to know more, go read the book. Um, Just quickly, what are the other books you've uh, written? I know you've got uh, a couple others, Ready for Anything 52 and Making It All Work. And is there a workbook as well for getting things done? Is that correct?
1: Yeah, we just did a last year. We we created a workbook because a lot of people are a little overwhelmed when they read the book. They think that's a lot. I don't know how to start. I quit. So we said, okay, let's try to make it a little lower the barrier of entry. And so we made sort of ten simple steps that you could to apply all of this. So that's in the GTD workbook. We also have gee, getting things done for teens because okay. we've had years for years people have said, God, do my kids get this? Can you give me this, something like that? So. I co-authored that with two other really key people, you know, a couple of years ago. So getting things done for teens and and the workbook.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, one last question before I, I let you take off is uh, if you were to host a dinner party with three people, um, famous, dead or, dead or alive from the past, who would they be? Uh, and what would you serve them or where would you take them to? So three people from the past dinner party hosted <laughs> by David Allen, who would they be?
1: Uh, you know, the first person that comes to mind is is Angela Merkel. Okay. You know, you know, I would uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln. Yep. And uh,
0: probably,
1: I don't know, the Buddha would be fun.
0: Yeah. Uh, so. So the German uh, Chancellor Abraham Lincoln and the Buddha. Where would you take him, or, or what would you serve him? Would you have him at home, or would you take him out?
1: Well, it depends on whether they had any dietary you know restrictions or not, <laughs> but if they did i have just got a zillion f- fabulous restaurants you know uh, that are here here in amsterdam um i I don't know I might take them to to um uh, uh, thrill grill great bar great you know great hamburgers and french fries and beer that'd, you
0: know? that'd be a good be a good conversation to drink. Um, what are you sort of working on next year? You got any, uh, you got any projects, uh, any, anything you're working on or you semi Well,
1: you know, a lot of my work now is just supporting our licensees around the world. We have spent the last five to 10 years actually building a, a global network of certified, you know, trainers and coaches doing our work, uh, and, you know, licensees that have their own businesses that are, that are, that are distributing those exclusively. Awesome. So that's a lot of what I do is support that and that's just you know still a, a, a we're still a small business relatively speaking I mean in terms of that we're represented in 90 countries but that doesn't mean that we're <laughs> big businesses in all those countries yeah. it just means if you're in any of the countries most of the countries around the world you can go to our website click on training and coaching type in your country and you'll see who's been certified to, to deliver training and coaching in in that area yeah. and so supporting that you know, and doing a lot of podcasts and interviews, I still I've done over a few thousand since the book, you know, came out. Wow. And I, I think at some point maybe everybody's who's ever gonna be interested in my stuff will get it and then I'll have to go wait on tables again. That'd be my second favorite career would be, you know, waiting on tables in a good French restaurant.
0: That'd be fun. Awesome. And are uh, you are you I was some... a, I,
1: I was a good I was a good waiter, by the way.
0: I'm sure I you would've you would've got things done. done. No pun intended. And are you active on social? Like, uh, where could people sort of connect with you if they want to learn more or sort of follow you? I'm I,
1: so social to me is like a cocktail party. I kind of wander in and out, but I'm around. So I'm t d guy on Twitter. Uh, I'm uh, my own Instagram. Uh, Alvin 45, I believe. Yeah, got it. My birth, my, my birth year. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Makes that's sense. There. And, yeah, and uh, by the way, uh, you can get a lot of me and little snippets of me or whatever. And my also my three TED talks, if you go to our website, gettingthingsdone.com slash YouTube, our YouTube channel has tons of stuff, you know, uh, of me on there, little things, expanded things, uh, podcast interviews, things like that so if you want to just kind of nibble on this stuff you can do that
0: yeah got it now i'm just going to ask you one last question i stole this from tim ferris today he said if you had a billboard for one message to leave <laughs> people what what would you put on the billboard one last message
1: yeah yeah probably the one you quoted it already is like your your mind's for having ideas not for holding them
0: yeah i think that's 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 brilliant to uh finish the, the podcast interview so uh for my audience uh, now, you know, David, so, uh, go out there, purchase his books, even though he sold millions, but get things done, get clear. Um, yeah. Use your head for having ideas instead of holding them. David, thanks for being a guest on the best book bits podcast and, uh, appreciate your time. Enjoy the rest of your day.
1: My pleasure, Michael. Thanks. This was fun.
0: No worries. Right, thanks so much. All right. Bye. And.